Good evening. Yeah, you all can hear me good. Uh, I want to apologize before we get started if I sound, if you're annoyed by my voice, it's because I've been sick, okay? It's not, uh, I know it's always annoying, but uh, last week, I, I was supposed to be up here last Wednesday. Um, <clears throat> I took, by the way, let, let me, I was like, remember to tell the people who you are, because there might be some new people here. My name is Chad Bell. Uh, I, uh, I oversee our young adult ministry here at, at Calvary La Habra, and a couple, uh, a week ago, last weekend, or whatever, 10 days ago-ish, I took our young adults up to Hume Lake and came back with, with a lot of good memories, but also came back with something just nasty that attacked my head and nose and nasal and everything, and I've been sick as a dog for uh, over a week, and so um, I was supposed to teach last Wednesday, and, and Mead, Mead's probably the happiest guy in the room tonight because he got it out of the way last week, right? Yeah, he's smiling over there. Um, I know how much he loves to get up here and teach. And so threw it on him last minute, and he came in, uh, finished up Matthew chapter 7 that we never started. So we're going to start, we're going to do the beginning of Matthew 7 this week, and you got the end of it last week. But um, uh, it's good to see you guys. It's so, it's so refreshing to come here middle of the week. Uh, you know, maybe your work week has been, has been rough. Maybe it's been great. Um, but it's so, it's so nice to come. And uh, when we were up at Hume, uh, the guy spent the whole week in, in, in John chapter 15 talking about uh, Jesus the vine and us the branches and how he is our, he is our life support. Uh, we get everything we need from him. And to come on a Wednesday night when, when the week is getting close to being over, but still a couple days and being able to worship and to just open his word um, it's, it's, it's really, really refreshing. And so, uh, glad you guys are here. Um, <clears throat> funny story, if, if you see my, my, my nice new haircut, I got it for you guys. Um, I was at work today, and, uh, you know, I'm a PE teacher, uh, teach high school PE. And so, uh, if you know anything about high school PE, it is, it's a great job, but it also is a very challenging job because you get a lot of kids that are like, run? What? I don't want to run. It's hot, coach. What are you thinking? And so I had them out on the football field, which is turf, and it was extra hot today. It was kind of nice. And I'm running the kids. <clears throat> I think it was fourth period, middle of the day. And uh, after, after we're done, coach, or the kid comes up to me. He says, hey, coach, have you, have you ever thought about being a drill sergeant? <laughs> and I was like, nah, never thought about it. He goes, you would be really good. And it kind of caught me by surprise because I've been running them every day this whole year. It's not like this is new. And then I went into the locker room and I looked in the mirror and I saw my haircut and I was like, oh, that makes total sense, total sense. He saw the, 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 the tight sides and he thought, you'd be a good drill sergeant. And so I laughed a little bit at that. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's all good. It's, it's, it's good to be here. Um, as we get into Matthew chapter 7 now, in my notes, I put that we started the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the study through the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew, starting in chapter 5, going through chapter 7. We started that back in July, and I said, you know, we'll have this study in next week to be the last study in our studies in the Sermon on the Mount. Obviously, that has changed, and so this will be our last study, but, but, but this, this teaching by Jesus, we look at it in three chapters, and we take weeks to study it, but, but in all actuality... It would have been something that he would have delivered in about 20 to 30 minutes. It would have been a, a teaching that he would have had in front of a group of people that would have been done, uh, you know, not in a setting like this, but similar to this where he would stand in front of people and he would teach and he would have been doing it in 20 to 30 minutes. And I, and I kind of was looking at it today and I was laughing because, you know, a lot of times teachers would get up and be like, oh, if you can just take, you know, especially when I teach, you know, the kids, high school kids or even young adults, it's like if you can walk away from this study with one or two things, like, that's great. You know, if you can walk away with, Lance calls them nuggets, right? If you can walk away with a nugget or two, that's, that's mission accomplished. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. How many nuggets do we find in there? Thousands, right? Like these, and, and we'll see, we'll see at the, the last two verses of chapter 7, we'll see the effect that this teaching had on the people. Um, but what a just nugget-filled sermon given by our Savior with so much, so much in it, so much good, so much to just look at and be like, man, God is so good. 
God is so good. And, and, and the key to this entire thing, and what I, I taught um, uh, a few, I guess it's actually now a few months back, but I taught in, in Matthew chapter 5, at the end of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus, um, he goes into some different topical teaching about, about anger, about lust, and, and divorce, and these different things. And, and, um, and he, the, the, the message he was trying to get across was that, you know, you guys are looking at the law. And we talked about the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. You're focused on the Old Testament. But I came to fulfill all of that. I came to be the fulfillment of what you believe. And so we're going to finish that up tonight. We're going to kind of put a nice bow on it and wrap it all up and wrap this sermon up tonight um, as we finish the beginning of Matthew chapter 7, but also the last couple of verses. If you, if you would, would you stand with me while we read the section we're going to look at this evening? This is one of those things I always like when pastors do this, and I'm like, I'm not a pastor, but hey, I can try it, right? I like that. I also like when Lance is up and he's like, hey, Kelly, can you turn the air up? Or, like, that's really cool to me. I don't know why. I'm like enamored. I'm enamored with lame things. You don't have to mess with the air, Kelly. It's great. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> Matthew 7. And I'm reading from the ESV, so if it's different from, from what you're looking at, I apologize, but you should be able to follow along. Matthew 7, 1 says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Verse 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this evening, God. Thank you for your word. Ask God now that you would just speak to us, Father, through your word, you would... You would open our eyes to what it is you want us to see. Father, you would take these words of Jesus, these teachings of Jesus, and you would, you would show us how they apply to our lives and how they are so rich and full of instruction for us today. We love you. Thank you. Be with us this time. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, you guys can have a seat. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 17, Jesus says what I already kind of touched on. He, he says that he, doesn't, he didn't come to abolish the law or to get rid of the law, but he came to fulfill it. And we see here in verse 12, where we just read, at the very end of verse 12, he, he, he gives this, uh, this, this, this golden rule as we know it, right? Like, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And then he says this, for this is the law and the prophets. And so we have these kind of bookends in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 7 where, where what Jesus is saying is, is everything that I've talked about, everything that we've discussed from the Beatitudes all the way down to what we're going to cover tonight and what Mead covered last week, all of those things are what the law is now under this new covenant, right? You guys are, are familiar when, when you're in church, we, we, we talk about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant being Old Testament law, uh, the, the, the first five books of, of, of the Old Testament, as well as the books of the prophets. And then you have Jesus coming, Jesus dying for us, for our sins. And now we live under the New Covenant, right? We've been, we've been cleansed by his blood and we, we live under grace. We live under grace, this New Covenant. And so for us, um, you know, we, we live under these promises, it was funny, the other, the other day, um, I was talking to my daughter. My daughter goes to Biola. 
And so she interacts with a bunch of different, you know, people and beliefs and stuff like that. And her roommate um, was telling me that uh, she was talking to this, 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 this guy, I think he's on the basketball team, that, that, was, that was claiming and saying that, that he was a Messianic Jew. And then he began to, like, talk about the Old Testament and the Sabbath and observing the Sabbath and a day of rest and all these different things. And I was like, man, this kid is, I said, is, is he a Jew? Like, was, is, is he from Israel? Like, is he a Jew by birth? And she goes, no, he's not. I said, well, you know, we, we talked about just what that means. But it's this idea. He was, he was talking about the, the law, the Old Testament, and, and how, like, he's following some of these, these, these scriptures. And I was like, Man, who, who wants that? Who desires that? Who wants more rules, right? I mean, being a kid, you remember being a kid, it was like the last thing you wanted was rules, right? We rebelled against rules. I remember I, when I first started teaching, when I first started teaching, if you can believe this or not, 24 years ago, my first year teaching, I taught fourth grade, okay? So I'm 6'8", 200 pounds, right? And I'm teaching little fourth graders. And I have all these decorations and everything, and it's, 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 it was really weird. Thank God my wife came and helped me. I would have no clue what to do on my own. And, and I remember having this long list of rules for these fourth graders. It was like, boom, 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 don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And after a, a couple years, I'm like, man, everything in here is about what they can't do. Like, let's talk about what they can do, you know? And so I switched it up. I went from the focusing on the negative to let's focus on the positive. And then, you know, after so many years, it's like, what rules, right? Let's just sit down. Let's talk about what I expect from you, expectations. And then you go from there. And, 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 it, and that's just kind of how it progressed over the years. But, but to, to desire to want to live by a set of rules is like, no way. And a lot of people think that's what Christianity is. They believe that's, what, that's who we are. Oh, you go to church on Sunday, sometimes on Wednesday, and you don't do certain things. It's like, man, you have it all wrong. Like, that's not what this life is about. We, we have a purpose. God has called us to a purpose and called us to, to, to serve him and to, to love him and to walk with him and to, to fulfill the will he has for our lives in our day-to-day living. That's what we've been called to do, to a higher purpose, uh, not just to follow some rules. And so as we look at these last verses in this section here, I want you guys just to keep, keep these things in mind. And I was thinking too, like, you know, it's, I've been walking, I got, I got saved in 1994, almost 30 years. I was in high school back in 94, my junior year in high school. And I still, I still to this day have to remind myself when I look at the scriptures, either when I'm teaching, when I'm reading, or when I'm sitting and I'm, 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 I'm receiving, I have to remind myself, how does this apply to you? It's very easy when we, when we, when we read, when we, when we receive, we listen, or, or even if you have the, the, the privilege to teach, to, to, to look at scriptures and be like, yeah, that, that applies to this person or this person or, or my husband or my wife or my kids or, my, or whoever, right? But first and foremost, I think we always need to remind ourselves that we need to look at how it applies to us. How does this apply to me? Where, where in my life... Can I, can I look at the, the topic of being judgmental and say, yeah, yeah, I can see that in my life. Lord, help me, help me not to be that way. I think we all can, if we're honest with ourselves, can say, yeah, probably in the last week or two, I've been judgmental of somebody in the wrong way. And it's, it, it, it happens. We, we don't set out in our daily like, oh, I'm going to walk around judging everybody I see. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how we operate. I hope, I hope you don't, don't do that if you do, man. I'll pray for you, but um, it just happens. It happens in, in, in the day-to-day where we get, we get caught up. Uh, we get caught up. And so, verse 1, it says, Judge not that you be judged. Now, this verse is very familiar to you. It's probably, I would say, and, you know, again, I didn't read, like, some study on this, but it's probably the, the verse that non-believers know the best, right? Somebody who doesn't come to church, doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't walk with the Lord, maybe a professed atheist. Don't, don't judge me. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. Yeah, it does. But what does it mean? Because we can look at this and we can say, oh, yeah, that's what it says, but that's one verse. Let's put it in context. 
Let's, let's look at the original language. What does it mean in the original language? Just like back in Matthew chapter 5, when we were looking at anger, and we were, we were talking about, you know, when, when Jesus was touching on these different topics, he was more concerned with the heart, not the action. What's the heart behind the action, right? And here, you know, and I know, as believers, and having walked with the Lord for a certain amount of time, we do need to judge people, but we need to judge them righteously, just like it's okay to be angry righteously and to not let the sun go down on your anger and don't hold it to cause you to sin, we do need to judge. We, we use the word discern or discernment, right? We need to have discernment. We need to be able to discern between good and evil, between right and wrong, be, between somebody who comes, you know, who, who, who comes and has a conversation with you and, and, and discern whether what they are saying is truth or whether it's a lie. Right, And so, so there's certain things in life that we will be faced with where we will need to judge people, but we need to do it the right way. So the parallel passage to this is in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, where it says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. The Greek word used in, in, the, in the original text for judge is the word it's K-R-I-N-O. I'm going to say crino. Maybe it's crino. I don't know. I'm not a biblical. Actually, I have some new glasses that make me feel smart. But I don't really. It's weird. Like, I've never used glasses in my life. And I go to the eye doctor, and they're like, yeah, bro, you need glasses. It helps to read, but they're like, they call them progressive, progressive I think. Or, yeah, so like, this is for far away, and this is for close. I'm clueless when it comes to glasses but it does make me feel smart. I don't know how it goes with the drill sergeant look, but whatever. We're going to go with it. The word crino here means to judge to a place of condemnation. To judge to a place of condemnation. And we need to be mindful of that. That is what we are not to do. We're not to judge somebody to a place of condemnation. Like I said before, this is a popular verse for unbelievers to use. I've seen it, you know, we, uh, like I said, I work at a public school. We have uh, a lot of students, believe it or not, high school students that are all tatted up, a lot of our football players, and that's one of the common tattoos. Only God can judge me, right? Like, like it's just, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And um, a lot of people in the unbelieving world think that Jesus here is teaching an idea of acceptance of all lifestyles, but that's not true. Again, we know through the totality of scripture and reading through the Bible that God is not okay with all types of lifestyles, that some lifestyles are wrong, and that he calls us to living a certain way and following him in a certain way, and so that belief obviously is not true. In Matthew chapter 26, if you guys wanna turn there, you can. We can see an example of judgment lived out. Matthew chapter 26. It says in verse 6, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Okay, so Jesus comes, this lady begins to anoint him, and here, here's where we see the, the, the judgment come out to a point of condemnation. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this judgment, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so, so the disciples here, they see this lady doing what she is doing, and they, they, they condemn her. They condemn her. They're indignant. They're angry. And so they're judging her. And, and this is exactly what we read in Matthew chapter 7 that we are not to do. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, 
Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is the proper use of discernment. Woe to those people. We need to be able to discern between good and evil, between darkness and light, between bitter and sweet. And so again, as I stand up here, I don't stand up here talking to you. I stand up here talking with you. How many times, how many times in the last week have we looked at somebody's actions or thought about somebody's words or thought about a conversation we've had or maybe a relationship we've had and we've judged their actions or judged their words, but not from a place, listen, not from a place of love, but from a place of condemnation. I know it's happened. It's happened in my life. It's happened in my, I don't stand up here perfect. I don't stand up here talking down. I mean, I, I don't like standing up. I'd rather sit in a chair right there talking with you because, because to, to, to look at the words of our Savior and, and, to, and to really personalize it, that's what this is about. That's what it should be about. That's what it should be about. And so how do we respond to situations where we need to show discernment, where we need to be able to judge in the correct way. We need to judge righteously without hypocrisy. Judge righteously without hypocrisy. It says in verse 2, it says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Think about that. In, in a sense, it's, it's kind of flash-forwarding to, to, to verse 12 where it says, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. The, the way you deal with other people, that's the way you're going to be dealt with. Man, I, I, multiple times a day I'm reminding myself of these things, right, because they're so true in our lives. Imagine working, okay, just imagine, all you guys, imagine all you guys that are older than 30, imagine working with 214 and 15-year-olds every day. Yeah, that's me, right? You're like, no, thank you. Yeah, I think the same thing sometimes too, right? It's not easy. It's not easy. I could judge these kids and, and, and be condemning toward them and, and, and be negative, and, and I have to constantly be checking myself. Like, Lord, you have me here for a reason. And if I act this way and if I think this way and if I do these things, I'm not going to be effective. I know that. And so I have to continually be seeking him. But God will measure unto us according to the same measure we use for others. I read somewhere that this is powerful motivation for us to be generous. Generous with love, forgiveness, and goodness to others. We should be generous in our love toward others. We should be generous in our patience with people. Driving down the five and that dude cuts you off. Love you, brother. Right? No. Instead, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, right? If I've ever done that to you on the five freeway, I apologize. It was not from a place of condemnation. It was just from a place of, it was early in the morning, right? Actually, one time, I don't, I don't know if he's here, but uh, Ricky Ruelas was driving next to me on the freeway <laughs> trying to get my attention. I don't think I cut him off. I don't know. I hope I didn't. But, but anyway, what is it that comes from us? What is it that comes out of us? Are we generous in our love, our forgiveness, our goodness to others? If we want more from God, if we want to receive more from him, we need to give more out. That's what the scripture says. We're going to receive back what we give out. It's a challenge to all of us. Then he kind of changes, shifts gears a little bit in verse 3. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but, did, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Basically, you're a hypocrite, he says in verse 5. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I like this. First thing I think about is, When's the last time you got something little in your eye? Isn't it like the worst thing ever, 
right? Like the little, the little tiniest eyelash in your eye and you're like dying. Oh man, I need eye drops, whatever, and you're crying. It's happened to me a few times in service. I'll be sitting over here and it's like my whole eye is just watering. It's like the end of the world, right? A little speck in your own eye. I love the analogy here. I, I, I really, when I, when I the, the more I teach through the scriptures, the more I love how Jesus teaches and the Bible instructs to meet people where they're at. I, I didn't touch on this, but at the end of chapter 6, it talks about worrying and being anxious, right? It talks about uh, laying up your treasures in heaven. And so these are the different topics it talked about at the end of chapter 6. And then he goes right into this section on judging others. And I, and I think it's fitting because if you look at the topics that were talked about in chapter 6, one of the concerns with people that, that, that live a certain way, the, the way it talks about the people in, at the end of chapter 6, is that they would be judgmental. And so he kind of transitions to, to really meet the people where they're at and to really hit head on the issues that they would have been dealing with. And so again, I, I love just the, this example of, of how can you point out your brother's sin when you have sin in your own life? How can you point out the speck in his eye when you have a log? Imagine having a log in your eye. I mean, that's crazy, right? Like, try to picture that. Like a toothpick sticking out of your eyeball, right? Like, that's just weird to me. But, but, but you get the point. He, he uses an exaggeration here to say, you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself. In 2 Samuel, I love, I love this story. You guys are uh, probably familiar, most of you, with the story of David and Bathsheba. We're not going to go into the whole story because we don't have time. But King David, Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 11. Um, King David has an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. Uh, as a result of the affair, he, he, he finds out that she is pregnant. And so then David, in his brilliance, decides, okay, that's great. I'll just call her husband back from war, right? I'll, I'll set it up so that he can go in and, and, and be with his wife, and then they'll think the baby is his, and it's, it's all good. Brilliant idea, right? And so husband comes back, Uriah comes back, and he does not go in to be with his wife. And so David's scrambling. He's like, oh, man, what am I going to do? All right, I, got, I, got, I, I, I figured it out. I'm going to send him back to war. We're going to put him on the front lines, and, and he's just going to get killed. He's done. And so he does. And then in chapter 12, listen to this. It says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and he said to him, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and one poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little lamb, which he had bought. And he, bought, he brought it up, excuse me, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him, but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David in verse 7, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and you gave the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. And then he goes on and on. And so, so what you have here is David, David does this, this, commits this sin, right? He does this thing, and Nathan comes to him, and Nathan points it out. But he kind of sets him up, which is great. And he's like, how, how are you? You need to kill that man and restore the lamb fourfold. How are you going to point out this man's sin when you have sin in your own life. So it's a great example there of just being a hypocrite as we saw that David was. Now, the good part about David is later on in Psalm verse, chapter 51, verse 13, he says this, and this is after this had taken place. I'm sorry, in Psalm 51, verse 10, first he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And so yeah, he had done these things, but he knew where to turn. He knew that he would, if he turned to God, that God would create a clean heart in him and renew his spirit. And then in Psalm 51, verse 13, he said, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. 
And so this is the beauty, right? Like there's a couple different things that as we study through these, these scriptures. But, but the beauty of this is that we look at these scriptures and we're like, man, again, if we're taking this personal and we're, we're, we're really like looking at our own lives and we're internalizing it, we're saying, man, this is me. Like I'm quick to point out others' faults, but, but I don't deal with my own faults. I don't deal with the things that are happening in my own life. I don't deal with my own shortcomings, my own sin, my own inability to live the, the life God has called me to live, but I'm quick to point the finger at others and I'm quick to point out sin in other people's lives. We've all been there. The two, my, my two favorite words back to back in the Bible that are scattered throughout the Bible are these two words, but God, but God. Yeah, I, I fail in these areas way too many times, but God. But God, but God is there to pick me up. God is there to forgive us. God is there to get us back on the right track. God is there to, 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 to kick us in the rear end when we need it and get us going. God is there to, to be our encourager. He's there with forgiveness. He's there with patience. He's there with compassion. We, we, we can look at these scriptures and we, could, we can start to condemn ourselves. Right? Like, like we read, when we, when we judge, we should judge with a, with a loving heart, a, a heart of compassion and, and, and discernment, right? Not with condemnation, but then we can begin to condemn ourselves. We get so hard on ourselves. But guys, that's not the way God deals with us. Imagine if God condemned us for everything we did wrong. We'd be done. No, this room would be empty. No one would be here. I'd be talking to an empty, I wouldn't be here either. <laughs> so no one would be talking. There would be no one doing worship, because I know me and Jose well, right? That, that no one would be here. That's just how it would be. But God is not a God of condemnation. He's a God that calls us back. He's a God that's, 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 that's here with open arms, not here like, nah, I'm good. And so as we look at these stories and we look at these scriptures, we, we, we read them, but we read them with a mindset of encouragement. Like God wants to make us right in these areas. He wants to fix us. He wants to heal us. He wants to make us more like him, more like him. Verse six says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So he, he kind of switches topics again here. And what he's saying is, you know, to be effective in ministry we need to be able to use judgment for the sake of identification. We've already kind of talked about this. That, that we need to be able to identify in this, in this verse where it talks about dogs and it talks about pigs and it talks about pearls. What do these different things mean? Pearl here, the pearls are speaking of the gospel. The pearls would, would have been of great value, still of great value. Right? They're, they're, they're gospel. They're, 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 they're sweet and they're special and they're, they're, they're beautiful. It's beautiful, right? It's what saved us all, the gospel of Jesus. In the Jewish culture, dogs, I know I'm sure we have some dog lovers in here. I'm sure we have people in here that walk their dogs around in strollers. Awesome. No judgment here. Ah, I like that. That's good. We, I, I work with the guy. I, I, I like to relate things to, to my daily life. But one of, our soccer coach, the dog was his father's dog. His father passed away, so the dog reminds him of his father. Awesome. This dog goes to every soccer game in a sling. I'm like, is the dog coaching the team? Or are you, like, it's, it's crazy. Pushes him around in a stroller, he's got him in a sling. We had a, um, we had a signing day where all of our athletes sign with their colleges. And believe me, don't, if, if you're not, if, if this is you, I'm not, this is not, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's all good. And he sat in the front row because a couple of his athletes were signing. He was up there with like school board members and like the big, big wigs in the district. And the stinking dog was in the sling. And the, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. Like, it's, it's crazy. In the Jewish culture, not how dogs were treated. Dogs were not seen as pets. Uh, they were wild animals. They were symbols of immortality. Immorality, excuse me, not immortality. They all died. Immorality, vulgarity, 
and ignorance. They were not a positive thing. They were seen as a negative thing. So it says, do not give dogs what is holy. So what he's speaking about is he's relating this, this, this idea of a dog, right? This, this thing that is immoral, vulgar, ignorant. Don't waste your time. Be able, listen, so we're going to tie this back to the first verses. Be able to judge between someone who's going to receive and someone who's going to waste your time. Someone who's going to waste your time. There are people that you'll try to share the gospel with that have no desire to hear it. None at all. Be able to judge and discern who they are. Right? Who they are. Pigs were seen as unclean. We're seen as scavengers, equal to dogs. To be called a dog or a pig in Jesus' time would have been a huge insult, as it kind of is today if you're a human being and you're referred to as a pig or a dog. It's not a positive thing. And so he's saying here, don't give these people the time that they don't deserve. Don't take the gospel to some that are, they, they don't want to hear it, but be able to discern who that is. Don't waste your time or invite harassment from those who are obviously hostile. Go to those that are ready and willing to receive and to hear the gospel. Pray. Pray for that discernment. You're like, how do you know that? It doesn't say like, you don't walk up and they hold up a sign, I want nothing to do with you, right? Like, we don't know that. And so we seek God. We seek God. Working with high school ministry for many, many, many years here, there's some kids, you can see it, man. They don't want to hear anything you have to say. They do not want to hear it. And so what does that mean? You just give up on them? No, no. You pray. You pray the Lord would soften their heart. You pray the Lord would show you something in them that would give you the idea that maybe they're ready to receive or to hear something, maybe if it's just a little bit. Right? We don't give up on people. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't take it wrong and walk out. Like, Chad said, if they don't want to listen, just later, right? Not, not, not what I'm saying. We don't give up on people, but we need to be able to discern and judge between those that are willing to receive and ready to receive and those that aren't. Verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Kind of switches topics here to the importance of prayer. This is fitting. Again, like I said, when he's talking about being spiritually discerning. So the, the importance of prayer the importance of asking the Lord to give us the ability to discern when it comes to dealing with people. In 1 Kings chapter 3, in 1 Kings chapter 3, and I, and I love this, I love the words that relates exactly to what we're talking about. It says, Solomon loved the Lord. I'm sorry, let's, let's pick up verse 5. It says, I give you, and the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on the throne this day. And he says this, And now, O Lord my God, you made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. Check it out. That I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. With the one thing, Solomon was asked for one thing. God said, you know, like, Genie shows up, man. You got one wish. What do you want? hundred more wishes, right? right yeah, whatever. I want the ability to discern. The one thing he was wanting from God, the ability to discern between good and evil. And you know, if you've looked at the life of Solomon, 
that for many, many, many years he was very effective, very wise, very fruitful. And the world kind of had its way with him. But we need that as well. We need exactly what Solomon asked for, the ability to discern. Lord, give us that ability. Back to Matthew chapter 7. In the Greek verb tense that's used in this verse, when it says ask and seek and knock, it's speaking of continual action. Keep asking. Continue to ask. Continue seeking. Continue knocking. Don't give up. Don't let the world or the enemy convince you that your prayers are not being heard. Don't let Satan deceive you into thinking that that what you're doing is ineffective because that's exactly what he's trying to do. I told this to the high schoolers last time I taught we were at a retreat and I kind of looked them all in the eye and I said, Satan hates every single one of you. He hates you. And the same can be said of us here tonight. He hates us. If we are effective for the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're walking with the Lord, Satan hates you. And the people you hate, you want to destroy. And he's trying to do that. And so, be encouraged tonight. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Don't stop. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 9 says, With the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but patient, not wishing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. If you're discouraged because you've been praying for something and the Lord hasn't given you an answer, God doesn't live in the same timetable we do. We get impatient real quick. Like, oh, I prayed for that for like a week. (laughs) Cool. Keep praying. Right? To the Lord, a, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years a day. So what's a week to him? We don't know. We're not God. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Continue to go to him. Verse 9, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I remember coming, uh, coming here on a Father's Day. I don't know when it was. Back, it's been a while. And, and, and during this season, I, I, I had no communication with my own dad. Uh, it had been years since I had spoken to my dad um, over something very, something dumb, <laughs> just straight up. And I remember we had like a prayer time down in one of the rooms, one of the, it wasn't the palm room or whatever then, it was just a, I think it was a kid's classroom. And, and uh, I remember reading that verse and I remember the Lord just like, just encouraging me so much, man. Like, my Father in heaven, how much more does my Father in heaven provide for me? I think about that, I talk about that with my kids all the time. Like, my kids ask for something, I don't say no very often. I give them what they want. If they need it, for sure. If they don't, you know, I may give them a hard time. But, but, but I give it to my kids for the most part, if it's reasonable, right? I mean... My, my youngest wants this electric motorcycle. I'm like, nah, bro, <laughs> that ain't happening, right? But, but within reason, I have to use discernment in these things. How much more our Father in heaven, who loves us, how much more will he provide for us? Well, then why doesn't he? You're, maybe you're sitting there, why, why doesn't he then? Because you're not asking. <laughs> you're not seeking. Yeah, but I do, nah, not enough. Not enough. I sit here, look at, not enough. Continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. He will answer. He will. He's good in all ways, in all things. He's perfect. We put human characteristics on God. I think that's, that's where we fall short and that's where we screw up. We look at him as if maybe how we look at our own dad or we look at him as if we look how we look at other human beings with not having patience for people or not being able to relate to people and that's, that's how we look at God and we think that God... He's not. He's not. 
He's perfect. He's omniscient. He's, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere. Like, he is God. Don't limit what he can do. Of course he's going to provide for you. Yeah, but it's a struggle. Trial. What does the Bible say? Rejoice. Be glad going through the trial. Why? Because you're being refined. You're being made better. You're being made more like him. That doesn't make any sense. I know. Read the Beatitudes again. They don't make sense. A lot of things Jesus said didn't make sense. They were the opposite of what the world believes and what the world teaches. They don't make sense. But they're God's words. They're God's instructions. And so we trust and we have faith and we believe and we walk in them. We continue to ask, we continue to seek. And he will be there. I wrote down a couple of quotes. I don't even know where I got them. Some dude named Clark. Yeah, cool last name. He says, ask with confidence and humility. Seek with care and application. Knock with earnestness and perseverance. And another one, another quote, another guy said, persistent prayer is not to overcome God's stubborn reluctance. Think about that. Persistent prayer is not to overcome God's stubborn. He's not sitting up. He's not watching you thinking, ah, nah, 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 nah. I'm not going to answer him. Let's see what he does next. He's not doing that. It gives glory to him, expresses dependence upon him, and aligns our hearts more with his. Again, persistent prayer is not to overcome God's stubborn reluctance. It gives glory to him, expresses dependence upon him, and aligns our hearts more with his. All right, I was going to give time for worship, so let's wrap this up. Verse 9. We already did verse 9. Look at that. See, I'm already I'm ahead, of, I'm ahead of the game. Ahead of the game. Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And we talked about this at the beginning. Jesus kind of comes full circle here. He comes full circle and he says, you know, again, back in Matthew 5 where he said, I've come, you know, not to abolish the law but to fulfill it. And now he says, everything that I've been teaching, everything that I've taught you through these last, you know, again, in his time, 20 or 30 minutes, for us, last three chapters, this is the law and the prophets. This is the new covenant. This is who I am. This is what I've come to do. We know this verse as the golden rule. Jesus essentially, what he is saying in the passage that we've looked at, kind of summed up in verse 12, with the end of verse 12, is we need to judge righteously. We need to pray. And here in verse 12, we need to do what is right. We need to do what is right. This is the second time in our, in our you know, little short amount of scriptures where where we see like whatever we give is what we will receive. When it comes to judgment or judging people, right, what, we, what we give out is what we receive. And here, when it comes to doing to others, the way we do to others is what we will receive back. Now, a little birdie told me that our friend Mead did not finish the chapter. So, Let's finish it up. Verse 28 and 29. We're going to skip down. If you weren't here last week, go online, check it out. But verse 28, it says this, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. I love these verses for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jesus was unlike anybody else that was teaching at that time. Most of these teachers, when it refers to the scribes, they would have got up to teach, and all they would have done is just repeated back what, you know, according to this rabbi, and then they would say what the rabbi has said, or according to, to this rabbi, and they would just repeat back what they had heard and what they had received from other teachers. Jesus didn't do that. The only time he repeated anything is when he referred back to the scriptures, but everything he taught was from his heart, and he was speaking to the people. I wrote down this quote from Spurgeon, and we'll kind of wrap it up on this. Two things surprised them, the substance of his teaching and the manner of it. 
They had never heard such doctrine before. But their main astonishment was at his manner. There was a certainty, a power, a weight about it, such as they had never seen. He came and did things unlike anybody else. Now here's the bummer. When we read those two verses, it says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching. It doesn't say that they left everything behind and followed him. It doesn't say that they believed in him. They were astonished. It had an effect on them. Like, oh, maybe I'll listen to him again. But it didn't take hold of their lives. And, 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 and having walked with the Lord for almost 30 years and having been in ministry for almost that long and a lot of it in youth ministry, man, I can't tell you how many times I've seen kids astonished by a retreat. Oh, man, that retreat was so awesome, the teaching, and they come back, and they're on fire, and then they're not. They go to some event, and it's great, and, they're off, and then they're just walking with the Lord, and they're good, and then they're not. And that's kind of what these guys were like. They heard it, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, maybe not. And they went on their way. They went on their way. And that's crazy to think. You, you, you sit at the feet of Jesus, and again, you, you maybe walk out of here with half a nugget tonight. When Jesus taught, you walked out with I mean, overload, right? Like brain explosion of just too much. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Can we think about that as we, as we kind of wrap it up and, and, and close out with the song and and let that be an encouragement to us to walk strongly, faithfully, devoutly with the Lord. That when we get tripped up, hey man, God is there to pick you up. Be encouraged tonight. Don't be discouraged. As we you know, sing this last song, I'll be up in the front. Any other the guys, if you need prayer for anything, come up. Let us pray for you. I thank you for allowing me to come up and share tonight. I'll tell you what, I was coughing all day, not one time. Yeah, right? The Lord is good. The Lord is good. I even laughed and didn't cough, which that was bad. I can't, every time I laugh, I cough. So let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you for this night, God. Thank you for the opportunity to get up here and share, God. I pray that, or we know that your word does not return void, and I pray that tonight, the words we read in your scriptures, God, would just touch our hearts, would affect our lives. God, would change us, would help us to be more like you, God. So bless the rest of our night and our week. Continue to work in our lives and just be, be the powerful God that we know you are. And we would allow you to do that. We continue to seek and ask and just knock and be expectant of your answer. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.